I look at some of the youngsters that we have in our business. My goodness, they are so smart. And how do you make opportunity it's really just available to them? But also most importantly, how do you make sure that you create a path so clear that they don't have to go through what you've gone through because we already bear the scars sitting here, right? Yes. We've already kind of done the work. Yes. Let's make it slightly easier for them so that we can create that level of acceleration and get more women to the top. Women account for or influence 80% of all buying decisions globally. And according to the Harvard Business Review, control about $20 trillion in annual consumer spending. And yet, when it comes to the technology that underpins everything we do or buy in a digitalized world, only 27% of tech-related jobs are held by women. In this Investec-focused talk, I speak to the inspirational Lillian Barnard, CEO of Microsoft South Africa, about what can be done to accelerate the development of women in tech from the classroom to the boardroom. I just want to say a very, very huge welcome to Lillian. You are an inspiration. You are a legend amongst many of the women and men out there. So Lillian, of course, you know, is the CEO of Microsoft South Africa. She is one of the country's leading technology executives with over 25 years of experience in ICT. So across the industry, actually, she has started a career at IBM, working both locally and internationally, which we'll hear about a little bit later as well, and has held roles as a consultant, chief sales officer for Vodacom Enterprise Businesses as well. She was awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Women in Tech Global Movement Awards in Cape Town. Congratulations, Lillian. That is an amazing achievement. And welcome to our session today. Thank you, Shabana, and just good morning, everybody. Thank you for having me. So I just want to set a little bit of the context for today. The topic is about enabling the success of women, specifically in the technology space. We're going to talk about Lillian's experience. We're going to personalize it because you have over 25 years of experience that you can bring into our conversation. We are going to talk about empowering women and enabling them and encouraging them to take up technology. And you'll hear Lillian talk about technology in the context of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, the so-called STEM subjects. We would like to delve into some of the systemic issues that we face. And with Lillian's experience, she'll bring a lot of that in the conversation. And how do you overcome these systemic issues that she sees playing out in the industry itself to just help the enabling or the success of women in the tech space? And we want to talk about it at a foundation level, but let's see where the conversation goes. I am going to start off with some statistics. 25% of technology roles in South Africa are held by women. And it's not just a South African problem or a local problem. Only 20% of women actually hold technology roles globally. And again, from a South African perspective, we have 13% of our graduates that are female holding tertiary qualifications in STEM subjects. At Investec, we have a technology team and 33% of the technology team are women. So we have some way to go as part of this journey. But of course, all of these statistics sit on the backdrop of lots of change, right? Digitalization is a word that we use absolutely everywhere, and it means different things to different people. At the same time, there's a huge demand for technology skills. We see technology as well as other careers or other capabilities actually boosting the performance from an economic and a social perspective. And Lillian, you actually said, quoted such Nadella, in one of your interviews, you said, 
tech will be the key input that will power the world's economic output, which is just so profound. We cannot afford not to capitalize on these opportunities. McKinsey's latest report actually says by 2030, we will have a net need or creation of over 1 million jobs in South Africa by 2030, just through digitalization. And there will be a need for 1.7 million technology graduates that we will need to drive this country going forward. You know, there are 38 countries in the OECD report that actually states that, you know, that at the age of 15, only 4.7% of girls actually even think about computing and engineering at the age of 15. And there is an assertion, right, that there's an unconscious bias, stereotypes and cultural norms that actually, you know, impact the self-efficacy of women in taking up these technology subjects. But Lillian, I want to bring it back to your personal experience. If you could share with us, what do you think some of the systemic issues are that we sit with? Thank you, Shabana. And there's so many points where I could start. So maybe let me start with Satya's quote. And this is a conversation that we're having with a lot of leaders and you all experiencing it because you CIO and you can feel it. And this was pre-pandemic, but even now more so post-pandemic that Every organization will focus on their digital transformation and literally become a digital organization. Technology is going to sit at the center of everything you do. When you look at digital transformation, there's four key pillars that you have to double click on. Number one was to ensure that you empower your employees. And at the time, it sounded a bit far-fetched. What do you mean by that? And, and, and we talked a bit about collaboration, productivity, et cetera. Fast forward post-pandemic, and we all remember when the president sent us all home, I'm sure you were called and you were asked the pertinent question. So Shabana, what are we going to do to make sure that everybody's got the tools and the techs needed so that the business can continue? And that was technology sitting at the heart of it all and making sure that your employees are empowered. And we now all feel the difference coming back because our people are telling us very clearly that, hello, we're not coming back to the office. We now know that we can be super effective at home. Another point as well was talking about customer engagement and we all have changed as customers. It's just frightening that I now buy clothing online. I couldn't fathom this before the pandemic and we're all doing that right now. And here's the point, right? All of these tools were available, but we actually saw that acceleration during the pandemic. The third piece is that all businesses are feeling cost pressures. The pandemic has just been brutal. And they are looking for ways just to, you know, do more with less. And the fourth one is about how are we going to use digital services to make sure that we find new revenue streams? Because if you literally look at every industry, every industry is under huge pressure. This entrance coming from all places, right? You can't differentiate between a bank and a telco anymore because they almost all do the same thing. So leaders and businesses are forced to think very creatively. And at the heart of all of that lies innovation. And what drives innovation ultimately is technology. And what we're finding, and, and this is basically our narrative at Microsoft, is that I'm saying to leaders that, honestly, if you want to accelerate your own digital transformation, you're going to have to make sure that you develop in skills within your organization and actually don't create an external dependency because if you create that 
tech intensity internally, you can actually drive innovation and actually do that at scale. And let me tell you, at the start of my journey, what made it very different for me, my first manager when I joined IBM was an international assignee from the US, and she was a black American, female. And I looked at this woman and I thought, oh my God, we can do these jobs. And this takes us back to the point around creating role models. It is amazing when you look at someone who looks like you, understands you, they make it tangible for you. Because remember, we did not grow up with CEOs and CIOs in our families, right? In fact, I remember in our community when I said, oh, I wanted to go into BCom, people were like, what's that? You're like, yeah, I think I'm good at maths, but this is what I would like to go do. And thank goodness it really worked out. There's just so much more that we need to do within corporate to make sure that we facilitate the journey because career paths aren't linear. You have a lot of ups and downs and unfortunately, a lot of times people don't see the valleys, right? They only see the mountain tops. But it's also for me, what I worry about is that when you look at our organization, often we're very good at hiring women, but we don't know how to keep them. We don't know how to promote them. We don't know how to trust them. We'll continue this conversation in a moment. Just a reminder to subscribe to Investec Focus Radio South Africa, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the channel, Please take a moment to rate us. And I think certainly there's a presence that we owe to ourselves that in these roles that we do perform, going out to secondary and tertiary education systems or schools is to actually show these possibilities and speak about it. And you do that so often in your career as well. How has that actually filled your heart? You have to understand when you are entrusted with power, you have an obligation to show up. You have an obligation to make a difference because leadership is a privilege. It is a privilege because it gives us the opportunity to influence and to impact. But often we entrusted with these roles, but we don't rock up, right? And a lot of people tell me, Lillian, your LinkedIn is very busy. And I said, <laughs> I know. I said, but there is a degree of an intentionality behind it because I want to show women what showing up looks like. Often when you look at conferences and especially when it becomes more technical, right? So the first thing that we do is women, you look at it and you're like, oh, only man, what's going on here, right? Couldn't they find women? But someone once shared this with me and said that, you know, often when they ask 10 women to speak, nine will say no and one will say yes. You ask 10 men to speak, nine will say yes and one will say no. And this is showing up because showing up takes a lot of courage. So we must understand our obligation and you can make a difference wherever you are, right? When I have graduate hires joining me and they go like, oh, Lillian, we want to become CEO. I said, no, you can make a difference. You can go back to your old school because you're not done with university, right? You've just started a job so you can always make a difference. So wherever you sit, it has to become a developed muscle. And then you start immersing yourself into the subject just to realize, oh my goodness, right? Except for the fact that tech in itself is already a challenging space, women also are having challenges to get ahead. And how am I going to prepare myself for the journey ahead? But whilst you do that, you take other women along because we have to take other women along. You have to create a path for other women. It is our obligation. And when we talk about representation matters, representation matters because look what you've just done, being CIO, you've put this all together. 
And I'm not saying men wouldn't do it, right? But this is what we would naturally do. This is the difference that we make when we, you know, come into these spaces. And can you imagine if we start equalizing the playing field, just how different organizations would be? And that is why we have to see representation at every level. I'm also beyond the point where you look at a company and you look the head is now, oh, we've got a black female. Fantastic. Can I double click a bit on your organization? Can I see where the women are? Because remember, decisions are made at middle management level. Mm. I actually don't get to hire more than 10 people. Mm. That sits on my leadership team. The rest of the organization are hired by my managers. And how do you make sure that women are positioned in all the right places so that you can ultimately make progress? Mm. You know, you've touched on something so important, and that is creating or actually inspiring women to have an aspiration in the technology space. And that is just amazing in itself. So I want to touch on a little bit about mathematics because you're a remarkable lady. You said that you were very clear at the age of 12 on the value of education and specifically mathematics. You said your parents actually laid the foundation for you and grounded you. And I totally, totally resonate with that. And mathematics is such a key to many careers, many careers, commerce, actually computer science and people actually don't know or don't remember or like it's not really a favorite subject in school maths and science and the stats actually show that in the 2021 national senior executives uh, statistics only one in three grade 12 students wrote mathematics and one in four wrote science i mean from your experience how did the love for mathematics grow and what do you think we need to actually do here in order to encourage kids to take on mathematics and science subjects. We have an edu division in Microsoft, and one of the things we talk a lot about in edu is personalizing education. And I think there's such a need for it. And if you think about ourselves, we were all lucky to get through school because, you know, we were all taught just the same way. And if you've managed to learn in the way you were taught, you came out okay. For those kids who did not, they just got completely left behind. And there is an opportunity for us to personalize education a little bit more. Some people learn in pictures, right? This is how they learn, right? Some you do by audio, you learn better. And if we could personalize it and find a way to get to a child in a way that makes sense for them, because there is really no stupid person. How do we make some of those things accessible? We need to rethink education, rethink inclusivity on so many levels, even from a point of learning. Because the moment you make things accessible, you make it reachable, you make it look doable, people often tend to go for it. Mm. But the moment people have fear and they become afraid, they're going to shy away. You speak about the edgy program in Microsoft. People are attracted to it. They really are. You're creating opportunity. You're creating reach. You're making it accessible all like through these programs. When Vestec runs the ProMats program in our side, and we've got about 5,000 learners that as part of that program, 68% of them are female. Majority of the distinctions that we produce across these 10 centers are actually female mm-hmm. as well. You speak about true power is to empower, and you spoke about empowerment in the beginning. From a legacy perspective, what legacy would you like to leave behind 
to enable the success of women in technology. So I'm very passionate, maybe just uh, let me make a bit of a broader statement. So I'm very passionate about developing leaders and this is both male and female. And I'm just super proud of the work that we've done at Microsoft, developing leadership capacity, because let me tell you something, leaders do the work. If you understand as a leader, your limitation, you will invest in leadership development, right? Because if I look at what we have to accomplish at Microsoft, I will get to do a few things myself, but very few. I've got, you know, 500 other people who can execute on my behalf. And can you imagine if you develop capability in people and you develop confidence and you develop courage, what you can achieve as an organization, but also what you do for the individual. So I spend a lot of time on building leaders. I'm super intentional about making sure that we progress the female agenda. And one of the things that we've done, for example, at Microsoft and that's on LinkedIn, was that I worked with Duke Corporate Education and, and, and I took some of my learnings and I thought, Lillian, how did you get to sit here? How can I scale? So what I then did was that together with my HR team, we sat with Duke and I said to Duke, there were certain interventions in my life that got to me here. It was not by mistake. It was well curated. For example, when I was sent on international assignment at the age of 31 and I lived in France and I lived in Switzerland for seven and a half years in Europe, that was a very you know, specific assignment to help me build depth to help me build capability, to help my confidence. So that intervention was profound, right? Just the exposure that I had to top leaders. That is why I believe in shadowing exercises. It works. There's nothing like bringing a person into a room with you and they just observe what you do for a week. It naturally changes their life and perspective in terms of often what it takes to do these jobs. So we said, and we did a program and we do it over six, eight sessions. And I've taken some of my interventions that has helped me and of course have now done the updated version and we've taken at least 25 of our women through it. And now my boss came back, he said, I want you to roll this out over Middle Eastern Africa. So we're gonna roll out this program over Middle Eastern Africa. Just scaling what I believe got me here. So back to the legacy point for me, you know, Titles are amazing, but they borrowed. Yeah. I'm going to move on and somebody else is going to sit here, you know, a few years from now having this title and fantastic. And the question is, you know what, will people still pick up your phone when you call them? If I call Shabana, will she still, will Lillian Barnard still mean something? And then you understand that the core of it, it is about people. It is a people game. This is the game we play as leaders and it is a profound opportunity to impact their lives for the better. And it is about good stewardship. When you are entrusted with resources and especially the human resources, can you be a good steward? And I want to be known as a leader who has profoundly impacted not only the professional lives of people, but also their personal lives. Known as a leader who have accelerated people. Known as a leader, as Michelle Obama say, that have sent the live down because we must understand some of the people we meant and coach today will one day surpass us. And that is actually okay. I look at some of the youngsters that we have in our business. My goodness, they are so smart. I mean, if you think about reverse mentoring and you think, I did not know this at 25. My goodness, right? They're so amazing. And how do you make opportunities really just available to them? But also most importantly, how do you make sure that you create a path 
so clear that they don't have to go through what you've gone through because we already bear the scars sitting here, right? Yes. We've already kind of done the work. Yes. Let's make it slightly easier for them so that we can create that level of acceleration and get more women to the top. Ah, oh, amazing. I don't think I'm going to say anything after that. The conversation has come to an end, but the journey still continues. We have work to do. And my ask is accelerate the pace, just like everything else. I believe that women are technology's untapped talent. And we've got work to do. We all do. Thank you very much for this Thank Focus you. Talk. Thank you. Thanks, Amana. Thank you for listening to this Focus Talk. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, search for Investec Focus Radio South Africa wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendation. Investec Specialist Bank, a division of Investec Bank Limited, is a registered credit provider.